Good morning, everyone. I thought I'd start off the new year with an episode about my fantasy baseball keeper and dynasty leagues that I have right now. I have one on ESPN that's a keep nine, and I have two that I'm really focused on on Yahoo. There are two or three more that I have, but I'm not certain if I'm going to renew those teams. I might go and let the commissioner know when it opens up in a month and a half that I'm not interested in holding on to those teams just to pare things down. I do have seven baseball teams. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight baseball teams. Seven on Yahoo, one on ESPN. And I might pare back one here, and I might pare back a couple on other sports, but that'll be for another podcast. Um, so on my ESPN team, that's a keep nine. Our standard categories, this is a head-to-head cat. Actually, all three that I'm going to talk about are head-to-head categories. Um, in the ESPN League, there are runs, home runs, RBIs, walks, stolen bases, batting average, and OPS, which is on-base plus slugging. So, in this league, as long as you've got the tip-top guys, whether you keep strong rookies is not... This one's a really interesting interesting one to build. Because it's a keep nine and not a true dynasty, I, I look at young players as streamers for the bench, and if they stick, I will keep. As opposed to my Yahoo leagues, which are more in the direction of, here is a young player, I need to put him on my team. And keep him on my team, regardless of how he does. As long as he's got a decent spot in front of him. Otherwise, I need to flip him for something. Um, <coughs> my current lineup right now, and this is with, I guess I got an extra guy in my IL slot. Um, the way my team is structured right now is that I've got Yanir Diaz from Houston, who is a catcher and a DH. I've got Spencer Steer who's a third base, first base, second base outfielder for Cincinnati. And these are all from last year's positions. These are not with the new year's positions. They'll probably cut some stuff out and things will get a little wonky for a bit. Uh, But the uh, Yanir Diaz came up essentially as a rookie last year. Spencer Steer, Steer, was effectively a rookie last year, and both those guys I took chances on. Steer, I actively drafted, and Diaz, I believe I pulled out of free agency. Oh, I did not draft Steer. Someone else picked him up out of free agency the first week, flipped him after eight days, and then flipped him a week later to me. Which is cool. I flipped a pitcher and an outfielder that I really didn't want to swap for essentially two guys that stuck on my team for most of the year. Um, I have Luis Oroyes, who won the batting title for Miami this year. He qualified at first, second, and DH. I have Rafael Devers at third base from Boston. I had Gabriel Arias at third, first, short, and outfield. Um, 
This league does not differentiate between left, right, and center like some do. This is just a blanket outfielder. So if you wanted a really fast team, you could draft three center fielders and it wouldn't matter. But um, for my there there is a there is a middle infield and a corner infield. So middle infield second and short and corners is first and third. I have Esquiel Tovar or yeah es Esquiel Tovar from Colorado, the shortstop. He's a rookie this year. Um, I had Max Muncie that I believe I got in a trade. I did get him in. Oh yeah, that was that massive trade at the start of the year. <laughs> um, out of the Dodgers, his average is terrible, but because he hits so many home runs, his OPS is pretty good. And then in my outfield, I have Masataka Yoshida, outfield from Boston. Of Marcino Dubon from Houston, outfield second and short. And he really did play a lot of utility for. Houston during the year, so he was always, always in the lineup. Well, mostly always in the lineup, and then at 467 at bats, which I'll, I'll, I'll take that as long as you've got utility, I will take that. There's Will Brennan, who I needed for speed at the end of the year because he finally got in the lineup on the regular for Cleveland. Plus, he had been hot prior to the playoffs. Bo Naylor, catcher from Cleveland. Depth piece started hitting at the end of the year, and that used him for days that Yanir Diaz wasn't hitting. Uh, I had Jake Fraley from Cincinnati, who was injured for a chunk of the year, but he's got enough power and speed to make it worthwhile. He had 15 home runs and 336 at bats, along with 21 stolen bases, which means that's an easy 2020 guy if he gets like 500 plus at bats. And, you know, assuming it scales correctly, he has an outside shot at 25-25 if he were to ever pick up, you know, close to 600 at-bats, 575 to 600 at-bats. But things don't scale, especially when you're batting 256 with an OPS of 783, which means he doesn't walk. He hits 15 home runs and 336 at-bats is good. Not great, good. I mean, Tovar had 15 and 581. Devers had 33 and 518, which means, you know, that Devers is one of my power hitters. I mean, you had 23 from Steer in 582. And if I can get 23 from Fraley without too much drop off in, five, in like 450, I'll take that. <clears throat> but they got so much talent in Cincinnati that I don't know if Fraley's going to be able to do much more than 1521. I don't know if he's going to do more than 400 because Cincinnati's got even more prospects coming up this year. If Steer sticks and Encarnacion Stroud, I think is the guy that's first base, like they had um, Eli de la Cruz come up and really hit well that I missed on. I biffed that in one of my Yahoo leagues. Had him and then moved him for a bunch of prospects, but probably should have kept him so I had a consistent hitter. But, yeah, since, since he's got some depth guys coming up, and that I know they got, like, five outfielders for three spots already, plus another, like, prospect coming up this year. So we'll see what happens to Fraley. There's Max Kepler out of Minnesota. Someone dropped him. 
on the back end of the year. Oh, they didn't drop him on the back end of the year. They dropped him in May. He was kind of picked up, and then I picked him up in August once he started trending upwards. So I got, you know, a fair amount of his production that last month and a half of the season, which nearly got me in the playoffs. I believe I missed it by just a hair. Um, doo -dum, doo -dum, doo -dum. Yes, yes, yes. No. I missed the playoffs by a game and a half. I finished at 126, 121, and 17, and the guy ahead of me at 129, 121, and 14, which means I am three win ties behind him, six percentage points in the standings. Yeah. That's essentially a game and a half that I missed, but whatever. Um, after Kepler, I have Josh Rojas, who played third and second for Seattle. He had played for Arizona for a time and then got traded and then started to hit. The reason why he was traded from Arizona was because he couldn't hit past the Mendoza line. So for him to finish in 314 at-bats with a 245, pretty good. But I needed him for second base eligibility. For second and third, I needed him for depth. And I can survive a 245, but not when your OPS is 641. Then I had Charlie Blackman, because he always has good OPS. He always has a tendency to walk up there in course, but his days are like done. I don't think I'm even going to try and roster him as a back end of the the roster guy. I think next year is his last serviceable year in the in the majors if he doesn't retire. But I think he's got a big contract left on him, so I got to check on that. Um then I've got Brandon Marsh who was the prospect for Philly at one point and then is turned into a so-so starter. 404 at bats because he was injured for a chunk of the year. Finished 158-1261, that's runs, home runs, RBIs, with 59 walks, and then 10 stolen bases, which is good. I like a 10-10 guy. This guy is 15-15 with an outside shot at 20-20, if he stays healthy and is in the lineup regularly. Outside shot at 20-20, but a 15-15 a is good enough. And you're batting 280, so I'd like your OPS to be higher than 834, but that's fine. I will take a 280 because it's not going to kill me like a 237. Next on my list is pitchers. The pitching stats that we have on this league is wins, quality starts, strikeouts, ERA, walks, hits, innings pitched, whip, and saves and holds. So this league, instead of only valuing saves or only valuing holds, it values them both. This means your middle relievers that will come in for an inning or two-thirds of an inning will still have value. Your eighth inning setup guy has value in this league. So if you have a good strikeout guy that's not a closer, that's cool. You can still roster him in this league. In fact, I did that one year where I had the closer and the reliever or the closer and the setup man for the same team. As for the actual pitchers on my team, I had Logan Webb from San Francisco, Garrett Cole from the Yankees, 
Jesus Luzardo from the Marlins. I had Eduardo Rodriguez from Arizona. Well, he's with Arizona now, but uh, Eduardo Rodriguez was with Detroit last year, and I believe he was with Boston either right before the year before that or two years before that. I have Cal Quantrill. Um, he's a starting pitcher now for Colorado. He started the year with Cleveland and then got traded at the deadline because Quantrill lost all control with his pitches. I had him in a dynasty league and then moved him, which was good because la the two prior years, he had a 289 while being in a swing role, which is good, 289 ERA in 149 innings. And then he had a 338 in 186 innings. And then last year he just... He was injured, could not complete the year. He had a 5.24 ERA, not good at all. Now that finishes out the the starting five that I had for the start of, or the end of the year. I also had Frambier Valdez from Houston. I had Merrill Kelly from Arizona, and. On the injured list was Marcus Stroman, who was with the Cubs, but he was injured literally for ch chunks, chunks of the year. And that he missed time at the between the end of July, like right at the trade deadline, he blew up. His elbow blew up at the end of June, muddled through. July, he had one good start. Six innings at home against Boston. Good quality start. Fell apart at that point, and my problem is I should have traded him then to get someone else. But, I mean, when you hear my keepers, there's not really a whole bunch of people I could have kept. There's one person I might have let go. But, like, I always have a tendency to go pitching heavy. My guys traditionally have a high strikeout a uh, total, a high K per nine, as they say. Last year, for all the pitchers on my team, come on, come on. For all the pitchers on my team, I had the... Oh, wow. Maybe they didn't do as good as I thought they did. Because <laughs> Spencer Strider crushed everybody with 281 and 186. Usually I have pretty good strikeout guys. And that, the other thing I have is I usually have pretty good quality start guys. For my quality start guys, I had the number... If this will load for me, it'll be easier for me to tell you. I have the number one quality start guy, the number two quality start guy, the number seven quality start guy, so I've got th the top two and three of the top seven, however you want to cut that. And then I've got two more guys. I've got five, essentially, of the top 20. And then I've got further guys that are on the list. But it's like, I usually try and aim for guys with high-quality starts because that, co that carries their ERA significantly better. It's just... 
it helps with the ERA and the WHIP. So if I get quality starts, I can get ERA and WHIP. And quality starts can also be correlated with wins. The more you have quality starts, the more likely you are to have a win because you're in the game longer. The team trusts you, and usually you have a lead. You you don't want to take out a guy if they are pitching well consistent. If they're actually let me phrase it like this: if you're pitching poorly, they're going to take you out. So usually a quality start is only given by pitchers that are pitching well enough, far enough into the game. But I, 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 I try and go strikeout heavy, and I try and go quality start heavy. And I miss out missed out on Spencer Strider last year. I saw him on the on the free agency list, and I'm like, no, nah, this guy can't hold it. And the day before, I was going to go and do it. Like, usually I'll look at my team and I'm like, okay, well, I can't fit them in here. I'll fit them in there. And the day before, I was going to go and put them on my team. Someone else had picked them up and has run with them for the last year and a half. Um, but the keepers I'm going to have on my team are, I'm going to keep Yanair Diaz. His line was 51, 23, 60, and no stolen bases, which is fine. He's a catcher. He batted 282 with an 846 OPS. I like that out of a catcher. I like that out of a catcher that I believe is only 25 years old. Yes, he just turned 25 in September. That's cool. I like that. This guy is going to be either the starting catcher or the starting DH for this team for, <coughs> for a number of years. As for my next keeper... That is Spencer Steer. He batted 74, 23, 86, and 15 with a 271 and 820. I, this is fantastic. Spencer Steer, I believe, is 24, 25 years old as well. And that, I had people begging for him the back end of the year. He just turned 26 at the start of December. But I'll, I'll take that. This guy is a utility guy. He can literally bat everywhere. So he's, his natural position is first, but he has like two to three people sitting at first already. There there was Joey Vottle and Encarnacion Stroud and one other guy. There's third base that he played at, but Eli de la, de la Cruz came up, and Cruz came up as a shortstop, but he's going to be at third base because... His speed is not good enough. He's got the arm for it. He doesn't have the speed and reaction time to make the shortstop reads and throws. So they're going to move him to third and just have him throw across the, the, the diamond. And then he plays second base and outfield. Second base was held by Jonathan India, who was their top prospect for a number of years. And then shortstop is... Who was their shortstop? Their shortstop was Matt McClain, who came up and pushed Cruz for sure to third. There was also um, Novelli Marte. Mar yeah, Novelli Marte, one of the Marte brothers. Cousins family. That came up, so Steer, like, Steer can play first, second, third as a utility guy. He can also play the outfield with, like I said earlier, on the when I was talking about Jake Freely. He can play anywhere in the outfield. 
So he can play like seven of the nine positions out on the field. The only thing he hasn't done is catching, and I think that's only because he ha they haven't tried him back there. He he's not exceptionally athletic, which is why they didn't play him at short. But Steer can literally play anywhere on the diamond. My third keeper is Luis Oroyes. He's the guy that's been flirting with that flirted with four hundred last year, and then he got injured at the end of the year. Like they they just he was out for. Two games, four, six, eight, nine, ten. Ten of the last thirteen games. He was just he he was out because he was tired, he was gassed, he still hit five hundred and seventy-four. He he made it to five hundred and seventy-four at bats. And still hit three fifty-four, which is really good. Like I said, he he won the batting title in the National League, and he was up at four hundred for over half the year. So that's like I've I've got to keep him. I need a batting average guy. And that plus he hit ten home runs, which is cool, but is not going to happen again. He is really a guy, like. If I see him back at 75, 7, and maybe 50, 55 at best, I can see him replicating that. Like, his career average is 326. His career OBP is 379. But his career slugging is 427, which is still 40 points below what he did last year. So, this is a guy, is he's not going to hit home runs. Like, five on average, seven at best. He made eight in 2022, and he had ten this year. So, unless he suddenly unlocks some power, he's going to hit 27 here in April. And it's just, he's my average guy. He's the guy that's going to make up for the fact that my next keeper, Max Muncy, is only going to hit 212 during the year. Muncy is there as my as my superpower guy. 482 at bats, plays for the Dodgers, is a natural third baseman, came up as a second baseman, not that good at defense at this point in his career, so he's going to also DH for them. His hitting line is 95 36 126 and a single solitary stolen base and he batted 212 with an 808 OPS if you're batting if you've got an 808 OPS with a 212 batting average that means you're slugging and that's what 36 home runs and 482 at bats does so Max Muncy is my keeper like Muncy is going to hit in the middle of that lineup He'll probably get bet bumped down to five because you're going to have Shohei Otani out there playing. Muncy's at-bats might actually take hits because Otani probably won't play the outfield. He'll probably only play DH, which means I've got to look at... I don't know who the other second baseman and third baseman are for the Dodgers. I never had to figure that out. Cincy, I did because I had so many stocks and Cincy players across my leagues. But Muncy is, if he plays, he's going to rake because he's in that Dodger lineup. I figure best case scenario for him next year is, like, if he hits up 
in the lineup. 90, 28, and maybe 85. 90 at best. If he hits down in the lineup, probably going to have 80 runs, 30 home runs, 20, I mean, 25 to 30 home runs. But his RBI should stay 90-ish, especially with the people in front of him. If they bat him third right in front of Otani, then, you know, those run numbers are probably going to crush 100. Because that lineup, this is like approaching Yankees in the late 90s, early 2000s level of production. They're not as good, but they're definitely buying that production out there in L.A. <coughs> My fifth keeper, and this is unusual. Normally I keep five to six pitchers and then keep three to four hitters because usually I can't scout batting. This year I caught a break. We'll see if it rolls into a, another year. I have Rafael Devers, who's been on my team for five, almost five years now. I picked him up when he was a little prospect from Boston. Took him, held on to him, got very lucky that he took off. Um, he is the number four hitter for Boston. He's not going anywhere else. I mean, he might hit third on occasion. But this is not Muncie where it's like, man, he could hit as high as two or three. Or he could hit as low as five or six. And Muncie's, the variability on Muncie is huge. Muncie is more of a, I'm going to keep you and hope I draft well. And if I don't draft well, I'm going to go and pass Muncie on to someone else that really wants him ten times worse than I do. Because I know if I let Muncie go, he's going to be one of the first guys picked in, in round. <coughs> Assuming everyone keeps nine, you don't have to. But if everyone keeps nine, he's going to be one of the first guys off the board in round ten or eleven. Because that's... Yeah, he was drafted in round 10 this this past year. And I know that he'll definitely get picked up in round 10, if not sooner, if I let him go. So I can't let him go. So that covers, assuming these positions carry over. They probably won't, and it's okay if I have overlap because I need middle infielders and a utility. That's Yanni Diaz at catcher. Spencer Steer covers first, second, third. Luis Oroyes covers first and second. Rafael Devers covers third. Max Muncy covers second and third. That means my third base and second base are covered. Period. My first base appears to be covered. <laughs> now on to my pitchers. The pitching is always fun for me because I can always... Uh, not always. I can usually find good diamonds in the rough because... These people have a weird tendency to focus on either prospects or number three guys from big name teams back east. Because ten, nine, nine of the twelve people in this league are based out of New York, and three of us are out here in New Mexico. So I, I don't know. I did, I've I've picked up guys on larks like my first keeper Logan Webb. I picked him up at the end of the year. I was looking at one person's breakout stars for the next year list. I was down on pitching, and my hitting was so-so. So I kept an extra hitter that year, and I picked up Logan Webb because they said, this guy has a chance to be top-of-the-line starter, 
And this was, like, the year before he, like, he was literally a nobody. He was, like, a young guy coming up, and he's like, okay, well, maybe he'll be, like, our number three pitcher, maybe number four pitcher. And he came up, and he's just like, ah, I'm going to be a number one pitcher. So he's he had 194 strikeouts in 216 innings. He had 24 quality starts. Like I said, he was the number one or two guy on there, depending on how you, you know, sort things. 325 ERA with a 107 whip. I love that. I can do both of, like, the, both of those, quality, top-of-the-line guys. If their ERA is above 3.5, I need some other peripherals to make it worth my while. Like my number two keeper. My second pitcher keeper. This is not in a specific order. Or this is not in my ranked order. This is just in an order. Jesus Luzardo from Miami. I went back and forth. Didn't keep him last year. Should have kept him. Had to trade for him this year for pitchers I didn't want to trade. Which I kind of wish I had back right now. But I'm like, when you when you got to keep nine, you got to make choices. And then. Did I make the wrong choice? Maybe. It was Zach Wheeler that I traded for this this guy. But Jesus Luzardo was injured a lot early in his career. He could not stay healthy. He put in 178 innings, but had 208 strikeouts. That's well over 9 per inning, encroaching on 10. Or 9 per 9 rather than 10 per 9. He had 17 quality starts, which I will take. I like that out of a third or fourth pitcher that I'm going to keep. 10 wins is all right. Miami was surprising. I don't expect... I, I expect about 10-ish wins from this guy year in, year out as a base. If he collapses, maybe he only gets 8. But 10 wins with the chance for 13 to 14 if he like really shows up and Miami shows up. <laughs> he does have a high ERA and a high whip. He has a 378 ERA and he's got a 124 whip. He's always had high numbers because he's always had high walk rates. He had 55 walks in 178 innings. His strikeout to walk ratio is 3.8, which is good. That's better than last year. But he has the tendency to just get give them up. Yeah, like his K per nine this year was ten point five. And he gave up uh, I thought I had home runs on this page. He had he gave up twenty two home runs. That's extremely high for a pitcher. For a starting pitcher, 22 home runs is a lot, which means whenever guys would get on base, he would give them up, but that would be it. He would not really let guys hit through the order. Yes, his on his OBA, his opponent's batting average was 241, which was definitely higher than his 191 last year, but he was healthy for a full year for the first time literally ever. And that even when he was with Oakland. But I I think he finally put it together. I'm going to keep him. He'll be one of the first guys that I trade if something goes south. Yeah, like I <laughs> I traded Brandon Marsh and then picked him up off the waiver wire later. But Zach Wheeler is the guy that I traded. And I kinda wish that I had Wheeler back. 
instead of Luzardo because Wheeler put in more quality starts, more innings, and his strikeouts were pretty close. Plus, I believe Wheeler's ERA was below 3-4, if memory serves me straight. Which, you know, cool. I like that out of a starting pitcher. <laughs> um, my third pitcher is New York Yankees pitcher Garrett Cole. I'm sorry, there are other people waking up downstairs, and those dogs freak out at the littlest of things. Garrett Cole, for the Yankees last year, had 209 innings pitched and 222 strikeouts. That's better than 9 strikeouts per 9, which means better than 1 strikeout per inning. He also was tied for 1st or 2nd with Logan Webb in quality starts at 24. And because you're with the Yankees, you're going to get wins out of that. He had 15 wins. But he also had a 2.63 ERA and a .98 whip. That .98 whip is not going to come back next year. There were some questions about what he was using to grip the ball with. Once they cracked down on the sticky stuff, his ERA shot up from around 1 upwards of 3. And I believe he he his 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 yearly average came down to the 263. <clears throat> his whip was also fantastically small at below a 0.7, which if your whip is below 1, you have fantastic control and or amazing defense to, to bail you out. Usually your whip for your ace starting pitchers is somewhere between a 0.95 all the way up to about a 1.05. That 0.1 difference in your walks plus hits divided by innings pitched makes a difference over the course of the season. So... The last pitcher I have here is Frambir Valdez, starting pitcher for the Houston Astros. He also fell off during part of the year. He Actually, during the start of the year, he like was abysmal to the point that I was thinking about trading him. In the preseason trade I made for him, like <clears throat> actually looked really, really good for me, even at that point, because I took... Kyle Wright, who was with Atlanta, and a young pitcher who just came up, took him, bundled Xander Bogarts, shortstop for the Red Sox, but had kind of fallen off a little last year, took the two of them and traded for Giancarlo Stanton and Frambier Valdez. Stanton fell off enough that I flipped him later for a package of something. I don't remember what I traded him, traded him for. Um, but, I mean, even at this point, writing Bogarts for Valdez looks amazing for me. I got lucky, and I'm still trucking. But, that's, that's my ninth and final. Like, that's, that's four pitchers. Or, uh, Valdez, let, let me finish with Valdez stats first. <laughs> ADHD. Uh, he had 200 strikeouts in 198 innings. At one per. 20 quality starts. Really good. I like my guys to have 18 plus quality starts during the year. Like like I said with Luzardo, I've been following him since he came up with Oakland. All he had to do was stay healthy and he was going to have the numbers. He finally was halfway 
decently healthy this year. Yes, his ERA is high, but that's always going to happen with Luzardo until he figures out how to not give up the long ball and walks. Valdez finished with a 3.45 ERA and a 1.13. 1.13 I can live with. That ERA is a little high at 3.45, but like I said, I want to keep him below a 3.5. The one pitcher I didn't keep that I kind of wish I could keep. I wish this was a keep 10. And he fell off a little bit at the end of the year, but not too badly. Was Merrill Kelly. This is the guy a couple years back that came out of the Korean baseball system. He was a prospect in the major. He was a prospect in America. F- fell off because he couldn't make it past AAA. Went to Korea. Pitched in Korea for like seven years. Eight years? I'm trying to remember what they said at the start of 2019 when he came up. But last year, he finally put together a good, solid year. Had a 337 ERA with 177 strikeouts in 200 innings. And then this year, he, he, he was 34 all year long. And he turned 35 at the in the middle of October. 30 starts at 35 years old. A 3.29 ERA, and he had 187 strikeouts on 177 innings. He is one of those pitchers that if he is there in like the 16th, 17th round, and I need like a sixth starter, I will take him. It's like, in fact, there are years where I've gone one less on pitchers, and then picked up that fifth pitcher as my first guy. Off the off the heap in the draft. So like that's the only real struggle I had. And then Marcus Stroman I picked up and could have flipped for somebody because he was crushing it with ERA and whip, but nobody wanted to touch him because everybody knew that it was a freaking mirage. And then he finally collapsed in injury. Like 136 is not a big number for a starting pitcher unless you're injured. Eduardo Rodriguez was out for a chunk of the year and he still made 152. Innings, and that's the other guy I wanted. Weird quirk. 152 innings, 14 quality starts, 13 wins. That means that he didn't make it through to the late innings too, too much. But, he did, his team did find a way to go and get him wins. He had 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. He had 7 of those 13 wins the last two months of the year. And that essentially from the start of August on. And he had a good ERA there. He had a halfway decent ERA. Anytime he blew up, he had a loss, but anytime he kept that ERA down meant he won, which is not typical of teams that are rebuilding like Detroit, which means he must have just absolutely dazzled everybody and just given everybody a boost, which means I'm going to really cheer for him hard as the number number three starter out there in Arizona, number two starter out there. Like I, like I said with Merrill Kelly, he's like... Kelly's probably going to be the two out there. Guillen, I've tried to acquire in this league, but the guy wouldn't budge. And I should have taken Marcus Stroman and threw Stroman at Guillen. Took Stroman and someone else to, to go and get Guillen. But the guy that currently has him 
probably won't give him up for who I have available. And I, the only person I would take Guillen over is Luzardo, but I, I would not trade Luzardo because of how young and potential-filled he is. Unless, by some miracle, I knew that Arroyas wasn't going to replicate a season, and I'd somehow try and package Arroyas and Luzardo for Zach Guillen. Like, Let's see who has him. That mother is not going to trade him. Polar Bear Express. Uh... Oh. Never mind. Polar Bear Express is not the guy that has him. This guy has him. Uh, he's absolutely going to keep Gian, but yeah, if he doesn't keep Gian, he's insane. But he's this is the guy that traded all his players for prospects and said at the finished in 11th out of 12th place. This is the guy that has Corbin Carroll, Riley Green, Colton Kowser, Henry Davis, Morel, Eduardo Julian, Eloy Jimenez, MJ Melendez, Incarnacion, oh, Strand, not Stroud, but Strand. From Cincy, Pete Crow Armstrong, Vinny Pasquitano, Tanner Beebe, Bryce Miller. Like, all these guys were all top 100, top 50 prospects last year, more or less. And Carroll, and I wanted Carroll so badly, but this dude picked up Carroll right before the start of the season last year in 2023 held him last year and then held him this year but I mean maybe I can pry Guillen off this guy because I'd really like to see Guillen on my team so maybe I'll shoot him a shoot him a text here in a bit alright so enough of me enough of those dogs going nuts um, that was my ESPN nine keep league uh i'm hoping to make the playoffs this year i might draft hitting heavy and then just hit pitchers on the backside that have potential or i could do what i do every year do pitching 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 win half my categories and then have a coin flip for all my batting because i can but i might do it the other way i might go batting heavy in the draft this year because I can always spy pitchers out of free agency. I just, for some reason, can find those guys every year. So, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. I'll come back with a podcast later as we get closer to the start of the year. Once people start dropping their prospect lists, I'll go back and I'll look at my Albuquerque Isotopes and Albuquerque Dukes Dynasty Leagues and figure out what what I can make of those teams. One of them, I have a chance at the playoffs this next year if I have some things break my way. The other one, I'm at least another year away. Probably going to be building this year with a chance at the playoffs in 2025. It all depends on if I trade a high pick away for some really stupid stuff. Again. But, you know, that's, that is the bane of my existence in Dynasty Leagues. Alright, everybody. Have a good one and take care.